The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Look up to heaven and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. God said to a man named Abram as he led him out of his tent and lifted his chin toward the night sky. Abram looked up and he realized it was pointless. There was no counting all those stars. That night, Abram had gone to God confused. A few years earlier, God had promised him that his descendants would be a great nation and that he would one day inherit the land on which he was standing. The problem was is that someone owned the land that he was standing on and he had no son. So in response to his questions to God, God had led him outside and told him to count the stars. So here he was, an old man with no son, staring up into the night sky. And God said, Abram, you see all those stars? So shall your offspring be. Not long after Abram stargazed with God, God kept his promises. Even though Abram was 100 years old, he had a son. He named him Isaac. Soon Isaac would have a son, and his name would be Jacob. And soon Jacob would have 12 sons. And from those 12 sons would be the great nation, the great descendants that God had promised Abram. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, God chose Abram and his family to be his chosen people. He said that he would protect them. He would bless their labor and their battles. And even in the veins of the Savior would flow the blood of Abram. When God's people were in captivity, he rescued them. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they went out to war, he fought for them. When they were following God, he showered them in blessings. When they disobeyed God, he disciplined them like a father. And when they abandoned God, he fought to bring them back. There never has been, nor will there ever be, another nation so blessed by God as the nation of Israel. And if anyone wanted to become part of God's people who weren't born into that nation, they had to leave behind their past lives and conform their, the rest of their life to following the rules and regulations and the diets of the people of Israel. And even though they'd be called Israel by name, they wouldn't be treated the same. They would still be labeled as foreigners or Gentiles. Even in the center of their worship life, at the temple, they'd be restricted to the outermost courtyard, called the Gentile Court, which was less of a worship site and more of a marketplace, where sheep and doves would be sold for sacrifice. So that's why when the Apostle Paul looks back at how God's salvation plan played out, that he calls it a mystery. You would have expected that the Messiah who came from Israel would have followed the patterns of the past, putting Israel first and Gentiles second. But the mystery that the Apostle Paul puts before us today 
is that in Christ Jesus, all believers, both Israel and Gentiles, receive the same treatment and the same blessings from God. And there is no account that shows that more clearly than the account of the arrival of the Magi. While church history has not only numbered the amount of Magi that came that first epiphany, but also given them names, there's not much that we can say definitively from our texts about these wise men. We know they came from the East, we know that there was more than one of them, and we know that they weren't natural-born Jews, they were Gentiles. And it was this last fact that led to King Herod's surprise when these foreigners came strolling up to the capital city of Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? Matthew records that when King Herod heard this, both he and the whole city of Jerusalem were greatly disturbed. And no wonder. Just imagine the implications of what these men were asking. First and foremost, they were implying that there was a newborn king of the Jews, and the people of Jerusalem knew that if King Herod had to fight for his throne, it wasn't going to be pretty. But there was something more surprising in their question. These foreigners, these Gentiles, knew about God's promises to Israel. They knew about the promise of the Savior. More than that, they weren't just in Jerusalem on a whim or by accident. They were led to Jerusalem. As I said, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to go outside on a clear night and try a look up at the stars, I probably wouldn't notice if there was a new one among the countless hosts of heaven that were up there. Well, I might not be able to. These magi would have. It was their job to look at the stars. It was their job to watch the planet's movements and try to gain information for them. So they were in a perfect place to see that there was one star that was special out of the great host of heaven that even Abram couldn't count. And when they followed the star, they weren't following the star just for curiosity's sake. They saw in this newborn king someone more than just a new king of the Jews. As they said, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Do you remember the shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night? Remember how the angels appeared to them? Do you remember what the angels' words led them to do? It led them to leave the sheep behind, go find the baby, and worship him. Now think about the Magi's star. What did the Magi's star lead the Magi to do? What led them to leave behind their home, to find the baby, and worship him? Do you see? Do you see how God's treatment is equal between both Israel and Gentile, how they, God led both groups to the same Savior. And that star wasn't just special treatment for those magi. While it was true they brought gifts to God's Son, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, they took back with them a gift far more valuable. 
they took back with them the gospel message. That's why, historically, Epiphany has been called the Gentile Christmas. Because when the Magi returned to their home country, they had a message that this newborn king of the Jews wasn't just the newborn king for the Jews. He was the newborn king for the whole world. More than that, he was the savior for the whole world. And that is why Epiphany is our Christmas too. While it's true that we probably don't feel the distinction between Israel and Gentiles as much in our modern context as they did back then, one thing is sure. If Jesus had followed the pattern of the past and put Israel first and Gentiles second and now treated Israelite Christians different than Gentile Christians, well, we'd be the ones on the outside looking in. We'd be the ones calling foreigners who'd have to stay far away and wouldn't get those same rights as the rest. But just as God didn't treat the Magi any differently than he treated the shepherds, and just as God didn't treat the Gentiles back then as he treated Israel back then, so too for us today. God hasn't treated us any differently. He has preserved his word among us. Even in 21st century America, he has showed us that Jesus, that the Christ child born in Bethlehem, is our Savior too. We are no longer called foreigners or strangers that have to stand far away. No, as Paul says, in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. And that's what you're doing this morning. When you walked into church, you approached God with freedom and confidence where his word is preached and his sacraments are given. And I pray that in this, the rest of 2023, in this upcoming year, you continue to do so, not only here in church, but also in your personal devotion lives and in prayer, not going to God out of fear, but trusting that he hears you and that he loves you. And as you stay close to God this year, he promises that you will be like the Magi star that led them to the Savior because you carry with you the same gospel message, the same gospel message that the whole world belongs kneeling before the Christ child because in that manger is the Savior for all people. But Paul doesn't stop there. He not only says that in Christ all believers receive the same treatment from God, but all believers receive the same blessings. And these epiphany blessings that he highlights are not gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Instead, he says, for those who believe in Christ, they are heirs with Israel. They are members of one body, and they are sharers in the promise of Christ. When I hear Paul say, we are heirs with Israel, it's hard for me not to think back to that first promise we talked about, where God promised Abram that his descendants would one day inherit the land. While they were waiting for the promised land, the land called Canaan, they called it the promised land as they were looking forward to arriving where God had given them the land. But it wasn't the true promised land. It was only a picture of the promised land that was to come. And we are still waiting for that promised land. Our Father has a better inheritance for us. We are the inheritors of God's love and protection and care and ear. And one day we will inherit a place in the new heavens 
in the new earth, our home forever. But we not only are heirs by ourselves, but we are heirs all together as one body, as one entity, as one church that moves and grows and lives and inherits together. Each and every one of us have a different story of how God worked in our hearts through the Holy Spirit to bring us to faith. And regardless of what your story is, one thing is certain. In this body of Christ, there is no one less and there's no one greater. From the lifelongs to the last weeks, from the longest member to the newest visitor, each and every one of us has a place in God's church and he uses the gifts that he's given us for the benefit of that church. And not only do we live and inherit together, but we also are sharers of the promise of Christ together. And what is the promise of Christ? That for those who believe in him as Savior, their sins are forgiven. They have been made right with God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is coming back to give us the inheritance that he promised. This mystery that Paul reveals to us today, the mystery that in Christ we all have equal treatment and equal blessings from God, that's a mystery that is better when revealed. Today, on this Gentile Christmas, God reveals to us the mystery of his love. A love so strong that is able to include both Israel and Gentiles. A love so strong that led him to send his son to take our place so that we might be called sons and daughters of God, so that we may be one church and one family together forever. Merry Christmas. Amen.